broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios. Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. This is Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. D. Las Vegas Resort and Casino presents Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Brought to you by Verizon Wireless. This is 5G done right. By Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Pick up any of our award-winning sauces on their way home tomorrow night at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. The D. Las Vegas Resort and Casino, home of Bar Canada. A north-of-the-border home, Las Vegas style. Roger Klein's Canesione Tequila. Ultra smooth, Arizona owned. Behind the mask, whether you're on ice or in line, we are the Valley's headquarters for all of your hockey needs. By M Drive, presenting partner of What Drives You, M Drive for energy, stamina, recovery. And by Summer Skates, get your personalized koozies and shower shoes at IcetimeHockeySW.com/partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by the D. Las Vegas Resort and Casino, is a part of the IceTimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Rob Rothfarb. All right. Welcome in, hockey fans. Welcome into Podcasts After Dark. It is Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by the D. Las Vegas Hotel Resort Casino, right in beautiful downtown Las Vegas. Scott Strandy joining you tonight from about 8,000 feet above sea level in the beautiful Colorado Rockies, Black Hawk, Colorado, our friends at uh, Caesars, uh, taking good care of us as always. My co-host, as always, Rob Rothfarb, joining me from beautiful Southern California. Rob, go ahead. Tell us, what's it like in Southern California? It's a cool, crisp night, about 52 degrees. Uh, It was in the mid-60s during the day with some sunshine later in the afternoon uh but it's uh it's chilly nice well this is the podcast after dark this is the second one we've done like this Stephen marsh and i did one last week um not not by choice by by uh my my being at an ahl hockey game between the colorado eagles and texas stars um i did it from the parking lot in my car so at least now i'm comfortable in the hotel room and and relaxed but it's a, it's a big night tonight, and the reason that we're uh, running a little late tonight is because we have a great guest. We've got Ken Bolke from Sinbin.Vegas coming on, and uh, in case you've been under a rock, there's been some things happening in Vegas lately. Uh, yeah, and I think on this show last week we talked about uh, the trade of Jack Eichel happening and who he would go to. Yeah, I believe you're correct. I believe you're correct. We knew it was the Vegas Golden Knights all along. It happened last week. Uh, Jack Eichel uh, met the press in Vegas. Uh, obviously, I was not there. You were not there because uh, neither one of us was in Vegas. So we thought, you know what? Time to bring Ken Bolke on because Ken is there. So we're going to just spend the entire show talking about Jack Eichel, what he means to Vegas. We're going to talk about the Vegas Golden Knights and their basic 500 start with uh, a ton of injuries. We're going to talk about the salary cap issues. Uh, we got so many things to talk about with Ken when he comes on in about 14, 15 minutes, something like that. So we will look forward to that. In the meantime, um, Rob, a new franchise announced, uh, uh, AHL franchise anyway, announced its name and logo not far from you in Palm Springs, California. Yes, where they have where they show on the on YouTube, they show a, 
uh, ceremony with the shovels, I think that's the one we were at. And I don't think there's anything that's been done since then. Uh, I would have to uh, <laughs> drive by it to see, but I have not been out in the Palm Springs area to check. But uh, it's a pretty interesting logo. Firebirds is the name. Uh, they're taking the logo is going to look similar to the Kraken's logo in terms of the style that it's that it is, the beveled look and whatnot. And uh, Coachella Valley, uh, you're surprised at that or no? Uh, very much so. I really thought it was going to be Palm Springs. Uh, I mean, we had we were pretty much thinking it was going to be Palm Springs and it'd be Palm Springs, whatever, uh, whatever they decided on the name. But Coachella Valley, I, I find that interesting. Uh, they're trying to really embrace, have uh, the, the whole valley embrace the new team. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. We'll we'll uh, we'll have to wait until twenty twenty two, until November of twenty twenty two. Yeah, October, I guess, officially. But yeah. um, where are they going to play? I mean, there's no way you can possibly build this arena this fast. I mean, it, it just can't happen because uh, we know it's about an 18-month build. And if they haven't started it yet, it's just not going to happen, right? Well, there's no way it's going to happen if it hasn't started. But, uh, well, I'll have to give a call out to the uh, to the offices and see how far along they are. I mean, remember, there's always the Irvine area. Uh, if they needed to play f- for a season or if they or a little bit of time until if they're moving in, say, the back half of the season, uh, they could always do that uh, as well because everyone's a very amenable place for uh, for minor league hockey as, as the rain uh, and, and the goals have been there. Uh, goals practice there uh, and did during the pandemic. Yeah, I guess that would have to be the obvious choice. There is nothing else uh, viable in uh, in the Palm Springs area that I'm aware of, anyway. So, no. anyway, that that that's interesting. It's uh, it's good to see them because the Kraken are going to get their uh, AHL franchise a lot closer to them. Yeah. Um, for us, it'll be their could, own. They won't have yeah. to share it with another organization. Exactly. Could that mean that uh, former Sun Devil Joey Decord is the uh, starting goaltender when that opens? Uh, it would be nice. I'd definitely be in attendance for the for the opener to see Joey Decord play in his flaming red and orange with ice blue accents uh, on the jersey. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Poor Joey. He said he said too many jerseys already. He had the Ottawa one. He had the uh, the um, uh, what was their minor league team? Bel- uh, Belmore or something? Yeah, like that? Belleville. 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 Yep. So he said that, and then of course he. Uh, Went over to the uh, the Kraken in the expansion draft, right. and uh, of course had Kraken stuff, and then uh, went to uh, let me see North Carolina uh, to the uh, AHL affiliate that they're sharing right now, and then right. uh, obviously would uh, would be in Palm Springs. But obviously we hope Joey's up with the big club before that happens. But if he isn't, um, he'll be right there. So a couple other things to get at. Uh, let's quickly run down the NHL Pacific Division because there's some surprises going on there, Rob. Aside from the injuries in Vegas, Edmonton off to a really fast start, uh, 9-1-0 and oh, and 18 points. Uh, the Calgary Flames, what the heck? 7-1-3, and three, 17 points in their first 11 games. Uh, your thoughts on that one first and foremost? Well, I didn't see the game against the Rangers, but they handed them their lunch. Uh, they really uh, and that was. A, but let's be all fairness here. That was the the back end of a uh, back to back with the Edmonton and Calgary, yeah. correct? 
it, it was, and and a tough loss. The Rangers were up four to one, I believe, on Edmonton and ended up losing the game six uh, five in overtime. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it was also a long Western Canada trip. They had a long long game in Vancouver. I think that one also went to overtime. Uh, so it was it was a tough trip. But uh, look, the Kings won tonight. They're six. They're above five hundred. They're six five and one right now. Uh, and they just beat. They thumped the Maple Leafs through uh, five to one. Yeah, and that was uh, like their fifth win in a row, correct? It is. There's nine wins in a row between the Southern California teams. Anaheim is four in a row, and now uh, Los Angeles is five in a row. So good hockey is being played in Southern California. And then you then you look at the uh, rain in the AHL, and they're on fire. Uh, so, like I said, lots of good hockey in the in the Southern California area. And of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't say the Arizona Coyotes got their first win. Uh, and one, again. One- Again, I think that was. Con- I, I guess I, I said that they would have. I said they would have said, a win before. Uh, you, he came back on the air, uh, right? And they got it against the Kraken of all teams. But um, and I think that's who I said that that because you did say that. Kraken, I yes, said you I'm did. gonna go with it before. <laughs> and it was. I looked at the schedule. I was like, wow. If they don't beat the Kraken, that's on Saturday or Sunday. Uh, Saturday then, night. Saturday yeah. night. Yeah. They're, they're not going to be able to do it. <laughs> ah, well, that was fantastic. Uh, some of the surprises: Colorado and then uh, Vegas. Both we know about the uh, the injuries in Vegas. I don't want to go too deep into that because Ken will get us into right. that and and let us know what's going on there. But um, the. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche are really off to a slow start. It's been weird for them. I mean, they've had some COVID issues. They've had some injuries. And, and they're just, uh, you know, 10 games played, and they're 4-5-1 and one with just nine points. Um, you know, trailing uh, Minnesota, St. Louis, Winnipeg, Nashville, and Dallas. They're number six in the Central Division. Who's, who would have thunk that, right? And they're minus six in, in goal differential. Who would have thunk that? I mean, yeah. they're stacked. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's I mean, ridiculous. We talked, about their, we talked about their goaltending and whether it be an issue or not. Uh, but this is this is more than just straight out goaltending. I mean, this is a team that's that's in disarray right now because they're so they're banged up. They have COVID. You know, it's like they can't get out of their own way right now. And maybe maybe it's actually a better thing so they could sneak up on people. You know, in the second half of the season. I mean, Vegas is going to have to do the same thing. I mean, we won't talk about them a lot, but I mean. There's a lot of injuries. I think we might have touched upon it on the show last week. A lot of injuries early on. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take one quick break and let's come back and let's bring on Mr. Vegas. Let's bring on Sinbin.Vegas, Ken Bolke, and uh, talk to Ken about what's going on up there in Vegas in about two minutes. Hi, this is Derek Stevens. Download your new sports betting app with Circus Sports. Get 24-7 access to a dynamic sports betting menu, including props, futures, cross-sport parlays, in-game wagering, and more. Sign up for the mobile wagering app at CircusSports.com. Then visit one of our downtown Las Vegas sports books at the D or the Golden Gate to activate and fund your mobile wagering account. Learn more at CircusSports.com. Ask any hockey player in the desert southwest, and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Phil Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? 
have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice, our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable, show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No, stopping at Jesse Ray's barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. Broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios, Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. This is Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. All right, welcome back in, hockey fans. This is indeed the mobile Summer Skates Studios. This is Scott Strandy joining you from about 8,000 feet in the Colorado Rockies, just outside of Denver, Colorado, in beautiful Blackhawk, Colorado. My co-host, as always, Rob Rothfarb, joining me from Southern California. And, uh, Rob, it is our pleasure to bring on the uh, – the guy, the the man, the myth, the legend, everything that is Las Vegas with Ken Bolke at Sinbin.Vegas. Ken, if you're uh, if you're there, go ahead and tap one of those call in buttons and let's uh, let's start talking some Golden Knights hockey. As we wait to uh, to get Ken connected, there we'll um, well let's uh, let's recap a, a busy night in uh, in the NHL a little bit before Ken joins us, and uh, the last of the unbeaten's has fallen uh yeah yeah i saw that <laughs> uh and I, I think we got ken so so okay. let's jump into that and then we'll get we'll get back to that ken scott and rob with you how are you tonight what's going on <laughs> now, okay. hold on a minute what's going on is that what i hear from the man from las vegas yeah what, what is world, going on what in the world's going on in las vegas nevada Oh, a lot, a lot. It's oh, they're they're never uh, they're never short on storylines. It's, <laughs> it's been a fun five years. <laughs> oh, Ken, Ken, and we kind of knew this was coming down the road. At least uh, we anticipated it. But uh, be honest, did you think it was going to happen this last past week? I did actually. The the more I heard about Eichel's name kind of being linked to Vegas, and I think the big thing to me was. Usually when rumors are kind of spreading out, you start to hear more other teams. And for the most part, there were not other teams involved in this. I'm sure there were more <laughs> in the discussion, but every single time it was like, well, it looks like it's Vegas. And then sometimes they'd kind of try to throw in like, yeah, I mean, this team makes sense or that team makes sense. But other than the Calgary right at the end, and I think that was just a ploy to get Vegas to finally close the deal. You know, and here's the interesting part about that whole thing is that uh, it, it went back and forth. It went back and forth. There was so much speculation about who was involved, who wasn't involved, what was going to happen. Uh, when it all washed out, Ken, 
Um, I think Vegas did okay in this deal. I think the trade itself is very good. I mean, it's effectively three first-round picks, a, a past first-round pick in Alex Tuck, a present first-round pick in Peyton Krebs, and then the future first-round pick. Uh, that's the first-round pick in 2021, top 10 protected. So that four by itself for Jack Eichel, that's certainly not bad at all. Obviously, he needs to get healthy again, and there's a little bit of a risk there, and they're you know kind of pushed up uh, – against that situation, but it's it's the aftermath that has me a little bit concerned, understanding that the, the Golden Knights are nine million over the cap. Now when uh when did you really start hearing or feeling the buzz from about this trade, like that it was imminent that it was gonna go down anytime? Um I would say probably like three or four days before it happened, it started getting real close. There was one report that it was on the one-yard line. I think that was Emily Kaplan from ESPN. Um, And then it kind of came out of nowhere the morning that it did. I I remember the night before, I actually – my wife gets up way earlier than me, and I told her, like, when you get up, pick my phone up and make sure that Jack Eichel's (laughs) not a golden knight. She did it that day, and then the very next day is the day it happened. So, yeah, I mean, it was was seemingly fairly close, and you knew there was kind of a timeline on it because he's got to get the surgery. They need him back. Right, right. So let's talk about that because he was in in Vegas and uh, met the media today, and I'm guessing you were there. I was. Um, what what did you hear from Jack? Because I've been hearing lots of different things, and he seemed very open, very upfront about a lot of different things. So what was your takeaway? Yeah, I mean, the first thing is I I guess I haven't heard Jack Eichel speak as much as I thought I had in the past. I was kind of I don't know if it was stunned or shocked. I just I it was kind of a observation that was like man this guy is super nonchalant like just the way he was talking his hands never left his pocket and you know i'm i'm a hand talker my hands are all over the place <laughs> so like it just I, I was kind of surprised at like how calm it was how and but you're right there were the the answers and like the the what was coming out of his mouth was very honest very open very like uh confident in many ways he he didn't view himself as a risk at all He's really confident with the surgery. He's confident in his surgeon. He's confident that his stance and what he did to kind of force his own way out of Buffalo was the right thing to do. He had all the right things to say about the Buffalo organization, but he was uh, it, it, it's a very confident person, both about his playing ability, uh, his stance and how he got here, and then the surgery itself and his future health. Like that's what can, kind of came across most to me, other than how like he just I. Don't, I couldn't believe how like calm he was for that situation. You know, and, and Rob, I'll let you jump in here in just a second. But um, one of the things that Ken that that uh, I was kind of amazed at is uh, I heard him speak um, three, four days ago, and he said somebody asked him about the surgery, and he said, "You know, I, I don't know what to expect because I've never had surgery before. I've never been under anesthesia. I don't, yeah. I don't know what to expect from this." And I'm going like. Wow, that's an incredible. I know he's only twenty five, but that's an incredibly healthy individual that uh, that doesn't even have that aspect as, as tough uh, of a game as he plays. Yeah, I was kind of interested, and I, I didn't think that was actually the right place to ask that question. And I might actually wait until after the surgery when we get a chance to talk to him. One of the things I think I'm most interested in from him is like, where is his level of fear on all this? You know, because it's not about money or any of that thing or whatever. But, like, this guy's, you know, he's had a nice career. But he, he's there's a lot more that he can give in his career. And neck surgery is a scary thing. Like, 
when you really think about what it is, that's concerning. And and I just kind of wonder where he's at. If he's, you know, he portrayed that confidence, but you know, deep down, there's there's a piece of him that's like, man, this is. He's certainly not looking forward to Friday. I'll tell you that. Is that when the, is that when it's scheduled? Yeah, I guess it's supposed to happen to Friday in in uh, somewhere in Denver, or outside of Denver. Yeah. Oh, right. maybe in Blackhawk, where I'm sitting. <laughs> there you camp. go. <laughs> maybe you can go give us a report on how it goes. Okay, okay let's let's predict down the future. I, I was reading on Twitter a bunch of stuff after the trade came down. And once person in Vegas projected a line of Eichel, Stone, and Pacioretty outside of the all injury line, how do you and saying that that line is the best line in hockey right now? Right now they say that. How, even if even if you want to put them together, how can you say they're the best line in hockey when they're not even on the ice right now? Yeah, I don't. I I'm not sure I'd be able to say that when you look at kind of the history <laughs> that you've you've seen between like Ranton. Landeskog and McKinnon, uh, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl play on the same line. They could put me on the other side, and it's probably better than what even this Golden Knights line. Um, I mean, obviously it has huge potential to be amazing if that's the route they go. I'm going to continue banging the drum that I don't think that's the right way to go. Uh, I don't mind Eichel playing with Stone, but I don't think they should load up all the offense on the same line because I think it'll cannibalize itself and they'll all wind up with a point per game, but it'll all be on the same goal. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. Okay, so so here's the interesting thing, and we'll get back to Eichel a little bit more uh, in a minute, but um, he's going to come back. You mentioned it at the top, uh, $9 million over the cap right now. Um, what's going to have to happen in your estimation before uh, – before things get quote-unquote normal for the Golden Knights? There's two routes they can go. The first route would be more people have to get injured. Uh, I don't think they're going to try to keep Jack Eichel on the injured reserve the entirety of the season. I think he made it pretty clear he wants to play. I think it's in their best interest. It's in everybody's best interest to make sure that he can play uh, and that he's not playing his first game in 15 months coming off this injury, off a neck surgery on a new team in the playoffs. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, so I don't think they're going to go down that road. But if they can find $9 million worth of other injured people, whoever that happens to be, they can potentially play the same game that Tampa did. I just think it's going to be a little bit trickier this season considering right now they don't have an injury that actually will qualify for that outside of Eichel. Uh, so there'll have to be new injuries, and they're also not playing hockey for a month inside of uh, no, uh, February there. So it's going to be tough to do that. The other option would be to go down the route of selling off some contracts. Um, there's a number of issues there. I, I think the first issue is everybody knows you have to do it, so you're kind of dealing out a position of, of no power at all. You have no leverage in all these trades. And then the second thing is there's a, there's a deadline. Like you have to get these things done. You have to figure out what you're going to do. How is it not going to hurt your team? How can you do it in a way that you're not selling them off by actually having to give up picks as well? Like you don't want to go down flurry for Mikel Hecarinen again. So there's, there's a lot of concern of how this could potentially go. I would guess that the expiring contracts would be first, Smith and McNabb. And then you kind of go and look at where is there some money in players that could potentially not be you know, as valuable. And then the last thing is getting your roster down to 20, 20 players instead of 23, which is something that they've done in the past. And they've actually gone well below 20 at different times. Well, with with every everything going on with with the injuries and being nine million over the cap, 
is this the first time that Vegas is de- really dealing with at the at, from a point of weakness rather than strength? Because w- they went through the expansion draft and uh, with strength, they went through everything they've done is always even the Eichel trade dealing with strength. Here, everybody knows they're nine million over cap, so they really are at the first time that, that I can remember a point of weakness. Uh, there's been two other times, and, and they're they're both off season, and they both kind of happen in a little bit of a short window. So I, I get why it would be kind of hard to necessarily remember them. First of all, is right after they signed Alex Petrangelo. They actually had to move Nate Schmidt right before they traded Alex Petrangelo to actually allow them to sign Alex Petrangelo. But they were certainly – it was such linked to them, and it was pretty clear that that's why they were going to do it. And they ended up trading uh, Paul Stastny and Nate Schmidt for what I think they got uh, in total, like a third and a fourth round pick back. Not much for there. And then the last one was this previous offseason – when pretty much everyone knew you're you're headed in either over the cap or right at the cap, and you've got twelve million dollars in goaltending, uh, you're going to have to find a way to kind of get rid of Flurry or Leonard here, and, and they ended up giving up Flurry, the reigning Vezina winner, for absolutely nothing. So those are the two situations you could potentially make an argument uh, back in the day when they traded Gusev and Halla and Miller, but I wouldn't say they were in a position of weakness at that point. It was just a, a route they chose to go at that moment, and. You know, that those ones they actually came out and know okay on those trades. The other ones that I mentioned, they have not. Right. So so Ken, when you look at, at this and you hear um Kelly McCrimmon speak, and I've heard him a few times now since uh, before the deal and after the deal, um he, he seems really calm, like he has a plan. Is that just uh what he's portraying to the media, or do you think he really does have a plan. I think he has an <laughs> expectation of a couple of different things that they can potentially do. I, I just, I'm not going to be of the belief that this front office has a plan that's going to stick. <laughs> I think they always have a plan. It just it changes every five seconds. And, and I can honestly tell you, like, I, I think if they win the next 10 games or if they lose the next 10 games, if something radical happens one way or the other, the plan will completely change. You know, so you, you got to kind of just understand that they they have their moments, they have their ideas, they have their ways of getting out of these different things, but they, they're not afraid for it to change at any moment. And, and in many ways, that can be a good thing because maybe they do catch some injuries that, that will allow them to get into the playoffs $9 million over the cap. Otherwise, I'm sure they have an idea of which way they'd like to go. It's just how bad is it going to be when they end up going there? Well, let me tell you this. Uh, the night before this deal went down, or yeah, just a few hours before the deal was announced, um, I was watching Colorado, uh, the Eagles, take on the Texas Stars, and I had a chance to visit with Dylan Zakura afterwards, and I was thinking – uh, to myself, I'm going, man, wouldn't he have been nice to have in Vegas right For now? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I was thinking of you, and I thought about that because I thought, man, if Dylan Secura was still with the Henderson Silver Knights and they could bring him up because, man, as he matured over the last couple of years, and, and he told me point blank, he said, you know, um, last year getting a chance to play in, in the playoffs with the Golden Knights really was uh, a big asset for him and his growth. Yeah, I think uh, him, Daniel Regan, Tomas Yurko. I mean, you can go back even further, like the Brandon Peary's and Daniel Carr. Uh, Tomas Hika's one that left that played some time. Like, yeah, they've they've kind of put themselves in a position where the only real guy that's in the minors that could potentially come up is Sven Berchi, and they haven't gone that route. And I would imagine there's a reason for that. But yeah, I, absolutely, they could use a Dylan Sakara back. 
Now, with Vegas currently, I know it's only 12 games in, currently sixth. What do they need to do? What do they need to do to turn this around? Uh, first would be get healthy, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. Right. The, the timetables you know on both, yeah, Pacioretty, Carlson's uh, white cloud is a while. Stone's confusing. Eichel, clearly. The the real thing to me is they've got to tighten the screws defensively. They're just, they've just been a mess in front of their own net. They're allowing high danger chances at a rate that we've never seen in Golden Knights history. And to be honest, you, you don't really even see for any good contending team in, at all. Um, over the past few years. So that's number one. Uh, once they do that, I, I think the offense will be able to come a little, you know, you'll feel a little bit better about their offense. They are scoring from time to time. It hasn't been shutouts every night. It's been the same guys generating the offense. So I think that's another piece is they could potentially use like a Dodonoff, uh, Yanmark, you know, these types of guys stepping forward and, and offering something, even if it's like in a Matteo or somebody's got to come forward and do something. But I think to me, it all starts on the defensive end. They've got to just get better in front of their own goal and in the middle of the ice. And to this point, I think they're fortunate to be six and six. I, I think they honestly should be more like, like three and nine. Okay, let, let me ask you this back to the Jack Eichel trade. Um, a lot of people said Peyton Krebs was a key. Uh, I think everybody knew that Alex Tuck was going to be the, the main cog in the deal, but um, uh, Brisson's name uh, was also brought up, and his dad, of course, Jack's agent. Yeah. Uh, was that ever a possibility? And Because yeah, I heard some things going like, you know, that, that was something that, that Buffalo really wanted and Vegas was not going to part with. Yeah, I could see that certainly of being part of it. I, I think the whole time it was pretty clear that Buffalo wanted futures. And when you go down the Vegas list, there's not a ton to really see there. You know, it's clearly Krebs and Brisson are, are two on another level. And then, you know, I don't know if they wanted to go down the Morozov situation because he's in Russia and who knows when he's going to come over. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they were asking for it. And then the uh, the obvious part is like, do you want – Brendan Brisson, who's a little bit closer to the NHL and doing a heck of a job at, uh, at college in Michigan, or do you want to pick that you can reasonably say is probably in the back 20s, you know, maybe in the 30s? So you might as well take the, the more um, known prospect and, and known commodity than, than having to deal with that. Didn't end up going down that way. And I think that's a lot of, in a lot part, because Buffalo didn't have a lot of leg to stand on. They knew they had to get the deal done. Now, what, you were talking about guys stepping up. When we talked about a month and a half ago uh, when we had John preview, be, to preview the season, uh, we talked about Nolan Patrick. Has he, he Four games, what kind of disappointment has he been? Uh, he hasn't been very good. Like He hasn't been playing a lot. He's got the one goal. Uh, it was a tip-in. Really, he's been kind of just – a guy in the lineup like he's out there he doesn't really do anything great he doesn't do anything terrible uh, you don't really notice him unless you're specifically looking for him so he's got to do a lot more and then obviously there's the injury situation with him as well like I, he's been out we don't have a lot of information as to why we know the history of what he's been dealing with the last few years and they've kind of poo-pooed the idea that it could be related to that but until we see him back on the ice it's going to be tough to to really put any stock in what he's going to become. So, so far that's been no different than Cody glass, which is basically not a usable NHL player at this point. Right. 
There's so many topics to talk about, but I got to bring this one up. Uh, <laughs> but before the Eichel trade went down, really before the season went down, uh, Robin Leonard was speaking his mind, as uh, Robin <laughs> tends to do. Um, how are things now? He kind of went to the back burner a little bit, or, or how are things with Robin and, and everybody in the NHL? Yeah, I mean, obviously he had his couple of conversations. He was pretty vocal <laughs> on the, the Kyle Beach thing as well, and and, you know, I think Nolan Patrick's situation in, in uh, Philadelphia fired him up. I know Eichel's did. I wonder how much of a sniff he had that Vegas was kind of poking around on Eichel and maybe trying to help on that regard. So right now, I mean, his his time on Twitter, it's it's fleeting. Sometimes it'll be 100 tweets in a day, and other times he won't tweet <laughs> for a month. So right now, I mean, he talks after every game, and then he's, you know, he's been good, and he always is, very honest guy. Uh, I think he's pretty focused on understanding, like, his role in this team is, is massive right now. Like, he has to be awesome every single night, or they'll lose some games, and, and they could potentially find themselves looking seven, eight, nine points up at a playoff position, which is not where you want to be when you've got a stacked lineup that they could potentially have. So let me follow that one up with when you look at the Pacific Division right now, and Rob and I were just talking about that before you came on, uh, Edmonton, no surprise. Calgary, a huge surprise. Anaheim, I don't know. Uh, San Jose, I don't know. And Los Angeles, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, Seattle what even, kind of. Yeah. yeah. yeah what I were mean, your I, thoughts on the Pacific? I think that we've... I think we're far enough along. I'm pretty confident in saying that the way Vegas is headed, like I don't, I don't think it's horribly likely that they're finishing above both Edmonton and Calgary. So I think the ship has probably sailed on winning the division. But I do think there's a chance that one of those teams kind of comes back down to earth a little bit. I'm not really much of a believer in anybody else. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if one of those teams kind of hangs around and is decent for most of the season. I don't think they pose a real threat to a, to a healthy Golden Knights team. I don't think they pose a threat to Edmonton at this point. I was a little concerned about what Edmonton was going to look like. That ended up not being right at all. They, they've been excellent, and I think obviously McDavid's been ridiculous. But I still don't think the division's very good. I, I think that it's just early season, you know, we get a little bit enthralled with a team that has, you know, 14 points in 12 games. Like, ooh, they're over a point per game. And it's like, yeah, but you lose one, you're kind of right back there. So I don't I don't think it's a good division still. Has Have people started to circle when uh, Vegas plays Edmonton? So the number one and number two picks from the 2015 draft will be going head-to-head? Eichel made a great comment about that today. Uh, the question was basically saying, like, you've, you're always linked to Connor McDavid, and his response was like, man, I pulled the short end of the st- – straw or short straw on that one didn't i how it's not fair being linked to that guy all the time like and, and he's right i mean it's uh i don't know though i'd have to look at the schedule if they're gonna play edmonton i know there's another edmonton game coming up not too long from now let's let's see do they play edmonton down the stretch uh there's one away on april 16th and yeah i don't know that we're gonna get a home one with eichel so yeah that's that's disappointing i guess there's another edmonton one coming up soon so okay so so we talked about all that um when mark andre was dealt uh as you mentioned for really nothing uh the fan base was upset 
mm-hmm. <laughs> to start with. Uh, and then and then the slow start and and we saw something we'd never seen before that there were resale tickets available at the at T-Mobile Arena. Has that settled down now as well? And is the call is the, the fan base calmed down just a little bit and and looking forward to uh, to what's going on with Eichel and, and the team itself? It's still very different than it was the first couple of years. And obviously then we lose the postseason in year three. Last year's season was kind of a mess with no travel and the building being half full at best and whatnot. But it definitely doesn't feel the same. Uh, The fan base was not fully behind the Jack Eichel trade. They're certainly not fully behind the idea of what it might look like uh, when they lose the $9 million in salary moving forward. I think everybody's pretty clear at least one more of the original five players that are left are probably going, and it wouldn't be shocking if it's two. Like if it's Smith and McNabb, nobody's going to be surprised. So uh, there's still certainly some apprehension. But at the same time, I think everybody kind of understands like what we're watching on the ice is not what the Golden Knights can be. Uh, they know that if they can kind of stick around and find a way to get there, and then once Eichel comes, the, I think there's certainly going to be a, a growing swell of, of excitement once they get to that point. But at the moment, I think you're still going to see fairly cheap resale tickets. I think you're going to see empty seats. I think you're going to see less excitement over the team, and, and that's just going to be the way of, of life for probably until February or March. Let me ask you this. Vegas is not in the playoff picture at the time that Eichel is supposed to come back. Do you play him if they're out of the playoffs? I think you have to. Um, Just because I think the situation that he's in, the only way you're going to get anything near what you should get out of Jack Eichel is if he's been out on the ice a little bit. He's got to play in games. Like It's just too long. It's too severe of a surgery being a neck surgery you you don't you know guys don't just immediately come back and become amazing right afterwards so even if you're out of the playoffs if you're going to do anything if you were to make it in whether he helps you get there or not he's gonna have to play games i think uh maybe the golden knights disagree i mean kelly mccrimmon quoted the the surgery as potentially a five-month recovery And when you hear that number, you immediately think Kucherov in last season. So maybe they are going to go down that road. I just – I don't think it's a good idea personally. I I don't want to have to be the one to make the decision, but, you know, you have to answer so many questions. If you play him during during games that mean nothing and he gets hurt, even if it's not the neck, if it's a pulled hamstring or something else – Yep. Then you have to answer the questions. Why do you wait? You give him a whole off season to recover from everything and anything. Well, how far out are you talking? Like, are, are we talking like there's no way they're getting back into it, or are we talking like there's a chance? Yeah, no, no, no. There's no way they're getting back into it. Okay, then, yeah, then I could see. Then I could see them really going slow on it. Maybe he plays a couple of games in April. You kind of just get him a couple of games in that opportunity to say, well, he's, you know, he has a chance. But yeah, maybe I would be probably with you saying, no reason to play him all 30. Right, right, right. But what are the chances they're completely out of it with 30 games left? I think that's pretty low. I, I agree, but you also, have, you also have to remember, we keep talking about the $9 million over the cap. It's who they get rid of. You know, who, right now, who are you happy about that stepped up in, in the, these guys' places, in Pacioretty's place, in Stone's place right now, Carlson's place? Who stepped up that you're like, wow, if this guy can continue when these guys get back, we'll be okay? 
I mean, it would probably be like Chandler Stevenson's a point per game player at the moment. Right. That's not something we expected without playing with Pacioretty and Stone. So that's been good. I'm not sure that I fully buy that yet. Uh, we'll see as time goes on how that goes. Nick Waugh's been a lot better, certainly an impactful player. I don't know how that's going to look if, if his TOI goes away. You know, right. when he's playing 16, 17 minutes a night, the scoring's there. When he's playing 11, it hadn't been. It's hard to kind of find that when you're playing 11 minutes. And then right. the last one would just be Marsha. So he's been, you know, he's been his normal self, but he's right. streaky. Right. He's always been streaky. Yep. But you look at their leaderboard, and it's all guys you know. There's nobody from uh, – Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're 100% right. There's, there's, nobody, there's nobody that hasn't been a contributor for the Golden Knights that's stepping up in a big way. Like it's just – it hasn't happened. And I think that's on DeBoer more than anybody. He's got to find a way to find someone else out of all this. And to this point, it has not happened. Let me, let me bring up a name for the past. Uh, have you been keeping track of the KHL standings and scoring race? Oh, I'm well aware that uh, I th- I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Ivan Morozov, Valentin Zikov, and Nikita Gusev all play on the same line. And, and are you saying Shipashev's leading the yeah. league? Yeah, Shipashev yeah. is the one I was like, thinking about. Man, that's still – you look back on kind of what the Golden Knights have needed for years here, and it's like a playmaking oh, center. No, and there he is. They there had one, is. yeah, and they yes. kind of ran him out. Of, and, and again, like, I get it. You know, Gusev didn't work. Uh, I can understand how they view that Shipashev wasn't going to work. And, and there's an argument to be made that running Shipashev out of town was kind of a – it was like the, you know, the head on the stake of, like, don't mess with us. <laughs> and it kind of maybe did do something that, that expansion year. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's always disappointing when you, when you see his name because they paid a lot of money for that guy, and, and, and it did not work at all. Oh, did they ever? Yeah, and that was yeah, that was really too bad. But you see the the skill that he has and uh, the ability that he has. Like you say, he would have been a, a an ideal fit on the ice at least. But um, so so I haven't been there in a while. But are you able to get back in and have locker room conversations now? Where you still we outside? You still can't do one on one type stuff. We have not. It's all it's all on a podium. Yeah. Okay, my my question then is probably mute, but uh, what's the locker room talk been like uh, within the players? I'm sure you hear scuttlebutt here and there, but is the locker room pretty solid? I think they're all understanding what the situation is here, that it's pretty much like this is not our team. This is not what we, we wanted it to be. This is not what it's supposed to be, but we all have to get together and make sure that we do not let this thing sink. Because no one, I mean, everyone's going to be hugely disappointed if, if they're way out of the playoff race when they get everybody back. So I would imagine it's probably okay. I am interested what it's going to look like when everyone's there. Uh, because it's, it's not going to be easy to just walk in and, and dominate all year like they did last year. Like it, A real season means real teams on your schedule. And it's going to be a little tougher, especially with everybody banged up and coming back and you know, they're all coming back one at a time. It's it's going to be interesting. But, yeah, I mean, so far it seems like they're they're in a pretty good place. Okay. I, one more, Rob. I got to get one okay. more sneaking one in there. But Okay. Uh, so we know all these injuries. Um, give us what you know to be a timetable as to the order uh, in which we can expect guys back. Uh, I'm hearing stuff about some guys are skating alone, some guys are not. W- what do you know, Ken, at this point? So we have – 
Stone is the only one that's been on the ice since the injury. Obviously, I don't have a lot of information on Nolan Patrick. They're keeping that way under wraps. That one wouldn't shock me if he's on the ice tomorrow. Wouldn't shock me if he doesn't play for the until the all-star break. Like either of those seem on the table. So I can't even really offer a guess there. Stone appears to be the closest. That's based solely on him skating. We got a little bit more information that it's a back injury. And a lot of times from what I understand, you try it out to see how it goes. So it wouldn't be crazy to think that he, they went out there and it didn't go well. We haven't seen him since, but we haven't been really around, but I would still guess he would probably be first. Pacioretty would be second. That's supposed to be right around Thanksgiving. Uh, and then Carlson's about a week or two later after that, and White Cloud's around the same time as Carlson. Is it? I know it's not just Vegas. Does it, does it seem like injuries in the start of the season are up compared to previous years, or is it just me because I'm covering the Pacific and everybody seems to be hurt? Uh, I think you're right. I think they definitely seem to be up. I, I have a little bit of wonder of – you know, having a season with a lot less travel, playing against the same teams. I think the hitting was actually down with playing the same teams last year. Where I think it's going back up a little bit more. Uh, more travel, tight games, tight schedules, that type of thing. And I think COVID has made some of these off-seasons tough. I just don't think everybody's off-seasons have been the same. You haven't been able to work out the same way. You haven't been able to get on the ice the same way. I just don't think it's been the same on everybody, and that's why we're seeing some some oddity. Okay, final one for me is uh, no no secret that uh, Vegas has the All Star Game, and yeah, um, you know things in the past, at least the last few years, the All Star Game has been kind of a uh, a jumbled mess, if you will. Um, what do you expect? Uh, how are things coming together, and uh, is the excitement level for an All Star Game what it should be in your estimation? I feel like no one's even really thinking about it. That, I'm happy you brought it up because it's That's exactly it's fun to what think I was about. thinking. Yeah. yeah, I mean, other than the patch on the jersey, like I, I haven't really heard a lot about it. I haven't heard much of what they're planning on doing or how it's going to go. To be quite honest, I'm not even 100% sure who plays in the thing this year. Do Olympians play in it? Yeah, that that's a good question. I, like, I, I wouldn't think so, but right. But but who knows, right? So I don't even know what the thing's going to look like. Nonetheless, I don't really care if they do or not. It's still going to be fun to see a bunch of players come together. I love a three yeah, on three yeah. tournament. It's great. Like and and again, like when has Vegas ever you know missed on a presentation like this? Yeah. They they've always hit it out of the park. So I expect the same to happen. I think it'll be a great event and. I think it'll be a lot of fun and they'll do some stuff that'll be a little bit unique, I would assume. So I'm looking forward to it. I, I think fans will kind of start getting there when they start seeing tickets on sale and, and understanding maybe the rosters come out or whatever. So we'll see. Okay. One final, I'm sorry. I, I have one final one. I have to ask you about Jack. Did he say anything about the Olympic, uh, the Olympics at all? Or is he, he did not. Is, so nobody's really discussed whether he potentially could go. It seems highly unlikely. Yeah. That, I mean, he had mentioned that he wanted to go before. I think it was on uh, the point interview with, with Butcher Gross. He had mentioned that he was considering going and he wanted to go. Um, uh, the three month recovery thing makes it seem like there's just no way. I would imagine the golden Knights would be highly against it. I don't know how much say they have on that. So my guess is he does not go, but, you know what, if, if this surgery goes well and he feels good, like it's a weird spot for the Golden Knights to be in. You're cheering for that surgery to go yeah. so well and happen so fast, but if it does, he's going to want to go to the Olympics, and you definitely don't want that. So it's a weird spot to be in. I, well, can't, imagine, I can't imagine that that wasn't talked about before the trade. 
You know he wants to go, though. Oh, I know. Yeah. But he, but you, he, he's got to sit these out. He, he, it's just way too close, and he has way too much of a future to worry about one Olympics. I know. But uh, maybe, it's maybe, also maybe. possible that it's the only Olympics he gets to play in. So <laughs> maybe, maybe the Golden Knights got to take that uh, Buffalo stand and go, "Hey, uh, we own you. <laughs> Good <laughs> You're luck. not going anywhere." <laughs> How's that going? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. Let, let me ask you about Peter DeBoer. Is he, is with all the injuries? Does he get a pass? I mean, this is like has to be the toughest coaching job he's had because of all the injuries. Is he on thin ice or or is he safe? I don't think he's on thin ice, but I think he's definitely being evaluated at a different level than I think he was expecting to be at this point. I don't think they were kind of coming into this saying we're going to evaluate our coach a little bit in the regular season, and now I think they are. Uh, it's it's a, it's the first situation since he's been with the Golden Knights that he's had a little bit of adversity right. in regards to regular season. The other one, you know, the one got canceled right away after he got hired, and then the other one they played in the worst division I've ever seen, and they dominated the whole way through. So, <laughs> you know, there wasn't really much there. Right. I do think the reason that I would say he is being evaluated more so than than any other time is because of his history. His history says one good year and then it goes downhill. And even though there's clearly a billion reasons why this one would go downhill, the fact of the matter is it's gone downhill in his past. And so, you know, as guys come back, you're going to need to be playing a lot better hockey than this. And, and to me, so far, uh, the, the results are not indicative of how they've been playing. They've played way worse than 6-6-0. Six, six uh, so... If things go the wrong way, he's certainly going to come under fire pretty quickly. I, I don't think he gets fired this year. I don't think there's, I don't think they're on the path of doing that though. But but I do think it, it matters in his long term future here. So you think that he survives not only the season but the, he goes into twenty twenty two? Yeah, well? I would. I would think okay. so. I think they okay. at least give him the beginning. But if things don't go well this season, and even if they, you know, say they make the playoffs and lose in the first round or right. they miss the playoffs or whatever, I do think he's going to be on ridiculously thin ice to start next season to the point where it's like you win 10 of your first 12 or you're out of here. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, Ken, tell everybody there in Vegas that it could be worse because about four and a half hours to the southwest of you, the uh, Arizona Coyotes <laughs> just picked up their first win. Uh, currently, they still don't have an arena to play in next year. Yeah. Uh, they've got a ton of draft picks, so they're going to be really good in 2030. Uh, <laughs> if they're still a franchise by 2030. So things could be worse. Keep the keep the heads up in Vegas, and uh, hopefully I'll see you shortly when I get back. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks a lot, Ken. We appreciate the insight. Yeah. Absolutely. That's Ken Bulky from Sinbin.Vegas, folks. If you want anything to know about the Vegas Golden Knights, that's your source. Uh, he knows it all, and we appreciate him taking some time to spend with us tonight on Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Rob and I will take another quick break. We'll be back to wrap up another episode in about two minutes. Hi, this is Derek Stevens. Download your new sports betting app with Circus Sports. Get 24-7 access to a dynamic sports betting menu, including props, futures, cross-sport parlays, in-game wagering, and more. Sign up for the mobile wagering app at CircusSports.com. Then visit one of our downtown Las Vegas sportsbooks at the D or the Golden Gate to activate and fund your mobile wagering account. Learn more at CircusSports.com. Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. 
You're way too old to hit that target from there. I've been listening to everything you said. It's been running through my head, locked and low. Broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios, Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. This is Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. All right, welcome back in the final. Okay, I think I'm back. I think I'm back. You sure? Can, yeah, can you hear me? Now I can. Now I, can. <laughs> uh, I, I think I maybe uh, had a little uh, mishap on the uh, connection here. But, okay, um, as I was saying, we're back. This is Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly presented by the D Las Vegas Hotel Resort and Casino. Scott Serrani with you in uh, beautiful Blackhawk, Colorado tonight. My co-host is always Rob Rothfire, but in beautiful Southern California. And every time we bring Ken Bolke on um, – so entertaining, so informative. It's just, uh, it's just a pleasure. I wish we could bring him on like every month. <laughs> just to he, give an update. He, he's great. He, he's he's got so much insight. He's got so much knowledge. He's got so much passion. I, I love having the conversation with him uh, because it, it just it flows. It's easy. It, it just gets so much information in such a short amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. And and he is so dialed in. He spends so much time focused on, on, on what's going on there. And man, what a credit to him because he's been here since before day one. He was day one uh, in my book uh, as far as the Vegas Golden Knights. So to be able to have that, I, I feel bad for the fact that because of COVID and stuff, they're still not able to get in the locker room because that's where you really find out uh, everything. You know that, Rob. That's what yes. I've been telling you all along yep. is that those one-on-ones in the locker room is where uh, you, you really get uh, the indication of where everybody's at, and uh, that that's hard right now. It's hard everywhere. I mean, uh, I'm so thankful that uh, most of the places I've been able to go here in Colorado, I've been able to get one-on-ones. Uh, uh, like I said, I had a chance to visit with Dylan Sakura after last Wednesday night's game, um, and, and that was fun. And then I uh, had the opportunity to uh, to get to a, a lot of the uh, NCAA players, so that's fun because it's just completely different. It is. It's totally different. You get the players, they relax, they let their guard down a little bit, you're building trust with them, uh, and it just, it's development of the of your relationship with them and from reporter to player. Yeah, absolutely. So, but before we go, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the AHL. We talked about the, the new franchise coming in and uh-huh. uh, what that means to uh, the Pacific Division. Probably means that Colorado next year will move um out of the Pacific Division, but I'm not certain on that. Um, just your thoughts on what you've seen so far in the in the AHL, Rob? Uh, you know what? The Western Conference is is a little bit upside down. I mean, San Diego from last year, they're struggling out of the gate. A lot of their young players went up to the big club. Uh, you got the rain that's on fire right now, Stockton Heat also. You got Martin Frick. 
Uh, four goals, six assists, was the player of the week last week. Uh, I'm telling you, Southern California has a lot of exciting hockey going on. Boy, for sure. And, and you know, one of the things that, that I don't know if I've paid this much attention to the AHL um, as I had this offseason, but it seemed like there was a ton of movement uh, this offseason between players. I mean, I, I'm in Colorado and I'm seeing guys that played with the, the Henderson Silver Knights last year with the Tucson Roadrunners and, and here and there. And it's like, that uh, t- takes you a minute just to refocus and go like, hey, Dylan Sakura, aren't you supposed to be wearing the Henderson Silver Knights gear? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and things like that. But, uh, and then a lot of it's got to do, with, like you mentioned, with uh, some of the young players from last year that, um, earn their spots on NHL teams, or whether they whether it was earning it uh, initially, or whether it was because of an injury. Well, with the expansion draft, you know it uh, it created a lot of free agents, so there was a lot of movement because of that. I think if it wasn't an expansion year, I don't think you would have seen as much movement because teams wouldn't have had to worry about protecting and and uh, not protecting so many guys. Yeah, for sure. Um, the Ontario Rain are in your backyard. They're they're flying. They're off to a great start, and and Stockton too. Uh, are you surprised at Stockton at all? I am. I really am. I really thought they'd be more middle of the pack, a, you know, grind them out team. But you know, they're they're scoring some goals. Uh, it's just, I mean, m- much better. I mean, seven zero one to start the season. Nobody would have thought that Stockton was going to be that competitive that early. So is, is this a trickle-down effect from from the uh, the Calgary um, parent club? Because they're off to a fast start, too. So is there a resurgence going on in that organization? Well, it, it, if you look around the Pacific Division, Ontario, the Kings are playing better than anybody expected them to. You have Stockton, Calgary's playing better. You know, Henderson Silver Knights are playing better than anybody expected to play because of all of the injuries in Vegas. You know, so it just shows you how much depth they have in their minor league system. You know, and then Bakersfield, uh, Edmonton's playing well. You know, San Jose, the Sharks are playing well in the batter crew. It's, it's just, you look, and now the Canucks are where about where Vancouver is. Tucson is where Arizona is. <laughs> and Oh, no, 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 no. Tucson is way ahead of Arizona. <laughs> well, they, yeah, they have two more wins. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean. Think I, Colorado I, would be second to last? Well, look at, look at the Avalanche. Uh, the Avalanche aren't off to the best start. I mean, here you hear it all the time. Being in Colorado now, for like I've been for the last month, is that um, they're first to start off. It's like, yeah, we're not worried, and now it's like, yeah, we're a little worried. <laughs> well, they've also played the most games, the Colorado Eagles, and they're in eighth place right now. Yeah, they have, and but they played a lot on the road, so they haven't had an opportunity to play a lot in front of their home fans. And I watched them sweep Texas. Uh, in their uh, in their home uh, home ice, so um, maybe that home cooking has got something to do with it. But um, it, it, like you said, it's exciting hockey, and um, the the seats are filling up. I know uh, at Colorado when I was there at the Budweiser Event Center, it was like over five thousand. It was almost a sellout. Um, so I mean, that's all positive. But then uh, I listened to the news last night and. And they're saying like one in forty-eight people, one in forty-eight Coloradoans have uh, have COVID. <laughs> so, uh, how's that for a number? Um, <laughs> I look around, I saw for forty-seven people. I'm going, like, geez, I hope I'm not forty-eight. Yeah, uh, you better get out quick. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just got to stay out without that out of that range. I can't be the forty-eighth person. <laughs> well, how do you know if you are? 
I don't know. I'm just keep I keep counting. That's what I'm saying. If you're if you're <laughs> you count, you like one, two, three. Oh, there's too many people. I'm, I got to get out because I don't want to yeah. be the forty eighth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I hate to make make light of it, but man, it, it's it's not over. As you see, it's, everywhere we go. Uh, Sidney Crosby with it. Uh, yep. Some guys actually having symptoms, people having yep. breakthrough cases. Yep. Um, I mean, it, it's not over. So, and um, it's not going to be over anytime soon. No, because now, now I know they were talking also here in Colorado, but uh, the United States has loosened the restrictions on a number of countries for people coming in. They're all like, Oh, here come the holidays. Now there's going to be a bunch of people coming from other all countries. Over. And yep. uh, maybe they aren't vaccinated, even though they're supposed to have the, you know, maybe they're all pulling a Vander Kane and, and having <laughs> fake vaccination cards. But um, <laughs> so, wow. anyway, I'm looking for well, the booster. I'm looking for the booster. I want to. I want to find the the Moderna one because I we both my wife too. and I got Moderna. I don't want to get too. Pfizer. No, you know. me too. It's uh, it's time to uh, it, it's time to, to to make sure you stay up on that stuff. And of course, it's flu season too, so you you got to take care of that stuff. But um, enough of that. We, uh, we've got hockey to talk about. Uh, we appreciate everybody staying up late tonight. It was well worth it. If you, uh, if you joined us not live because Ken Bolke, as I mentioned, is one of the best. And uh, if you didn't, you'll hear this, uh, at the normal, uh, podcast time. Uh, you can get it anywhere that you get your podcast. So Rob, unless you got anything else, I'll let you take it away. Nope. The D Las Vegas resort and casinos, professional hockey Southwest weekly has been brought to you by summer skates. Fall, winter, doesn't matter. We still like to keep our drinks cold. Get your personalized koozies and shower shoes. Go to icetimehockeysw.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. The D Las Vegas Resort and Casino, whether it's the Long Bar or the Andy Amo Steakhouse, we are more than just great game in action. Book your spot at vd.com. Boost Mobile, where all plans include a mobile hotspot and America's largest 5G network for less. By Behind the Mask and BehindTheMask.com where we can provide for all your hockey needs on the ice or in line. See the website for our three Valley locations and more. Jesse Ray's Barbecue at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas, where despite how long it takes you to eat your meal, there's so many delicious choices, it always seems like it takes you longer to decide what to eat than actually eat it. Buy M-Drive, supplements to fuel your drive. Refuel your drive with M-Drive. The D Las Vegas Resort and Casinos Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly and all of Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app. Available for download at the iTunes Store, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and on the TuneIn app. Hey Alexa, turn on my ITHSW podcast. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly presented by the D Resort and Casinos is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Very well done, my friend. Uh, I will remind everybody that tomorrow night is uh, College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Paul Hornstein and myself will be uh, live at 7.30 Mountain Time. No podcast after dark tomorrow night. And we've got a great guest joining us. We've got the uh, the head coach from Robert Morris University, Derek Schooley, joining us tomorrow. And he's going to talk about the resurrection of the Colonials program and a uh, big fundraiser that they had yesterday uh, in Pittsburgh to uh, – to fundraise to, to make sure that their program gets back and gets back on solid ground. So we look forward to speaking to Derek. And, of course, Wednesday night, uh, Club Hockey Southwest Weekly, uh, a big tournament coming up in ACHA Hockey in Chicago in uh, about a week and a half. And uh, I will be there for that. So we have hopefully somebody from 
the University of Illinois that's hosting the uh, 16 18, 18 tournament, I guess it is. And uh, we'll have them on a Wednesday night. And um, and then, of course, it's it's back to weekend hockey. So it never it never stops, Rob. It just never stops. It's a, it's it's that vicious cycle that's just so much fun to be around. Absolutely. Our thanks again to Ken Bolke from Sinbin.Vegas uh, for for staying up late with us and uh, giving us all the updates from Vegas. Um, Vegas fans, hang in there. It's going to get better. Uh, it will get better, and uh, you more than likely will make the playoffs, and you more than likely will make a run because that's just what Vegas does, and that's certainly what a Bill Foley-owned team does. So we'll say goodnight, little Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. Good night, everybody. Good night.